Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Crunch Time Podcast. So, a very interesting game last night on Sunday Night Football. The Texans, some might say, upset the Patriots. And our first question for today is, what were your te- uh, takeaways from the Texans' win over the Patriots? And we'll start with Rodrigo. Well, my first takeaway is that the Texans might actually have a realistic shot at going far in the playoffs, and that is primarily because of how their defense played. This defense, for three quarters, they are playing elite defense on Tom Brady. He could not um, move the ball. Obviously, the interception by Bradley Roby, who had a great game, and there was another pass that was almost intercepted. The secondary played very well. Justin Reed had a career game, and also the young linebacker who was traded by the Seah- from the Seahawks in the Clowney trade, he had one and a half sacks. So you're seeing this defense start to come together. It was originally thought as a weakness in this team, but these past few weeks, it's actually been one of the strong points of the Texans, and it doesn't have to be elite because of the play of Deshaun Watson, who had another fabulous game, three touchdowns, no interceptions, an absolute dot to Kenny Stills. That was a beautiful pass. But my bigger takeaway from the offensive performance was Bill O'Brien's play calling. And I thought that Bill O'Brien did an excellent job yesterday switching it up and bringing some creativity into the offense. There were a couple of new formations, the diamond formation where two tight ends to either side of Deshaun Watson, and then a formation where there were three tight ends on one side of the line of scrimmage. And what that enabled the Tyson to do was to establish the run and then hit them with a play action out of those same formations, as could be seen by the touchdown to Darren Fells, which came out of the diamond formation, and Deshaun Watson made a good read, hit Darren Fells, and he was wide open because the Texans hadn't seen it before. And then also, of course, the trick play, which everyone is in awe of, which the DeAndre Hopkins passed to Deshaun Watson in the fourth quarter. I think it it was a little riskier than it would like it to be, but obviously it worked, so that's a plus. But Bill O'Brien, when you play against the Patriots, you have to change some things because Bill Belichick studies all your film, and he knows what you're going to do before you do it. So I thought it was really smart of Bill O'Brien saving those new plays and those new formations for the most important game of the year, and it worked to a a great extent. So I have two takeaways from this game. My first takeaway is that the Patriots' defense is not as good as we thought they were. My reasons for this are, in the beginning of the season, the Patriots were on a roll. They had won many games, and they felt like they were on top of the world. But the reason they had won these games is because they had played some of the worst teams in the NFL, including the Dolphins, who they are going to play again, the Jets, and the Redskins, and the uh, Giants, right, as Daniel Jones was starting as the quarterback for the first time. Because of this, I do believe that the Patriots' defense, when they play good quarterbacks, cannot stop them, as seen with Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. My second takeaway is that Deshaun Watson is the third best quarterback in the NFL behind Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. The reason I think this is because – A lot of people believe that the quarterback position is changing, and it is. Quarterbacks now have to run a lot more than they used to. And because of this, Phillip Rivers or Ben Roethlisberger, who's hurt, Tom Brady, they're all becoming worse and worse as 
defenses have learned to adapt to them. But these three quarterbacks who are very good at running and getting out of the pocket are presenting new challenges to defense who are used to quarterbacks who stay in the pocket and throw the football. Um, I'm going to agree with you here. I'm looking through a list right now of all the Patriots games. And what I'm seeing is the two times they lost, they have played mobile quarterbacks who can not only beat them with the run, but they can beat them with a pocket pass. And they are shifty and can avoid sacks. There was a moment, there was a play in, I think, either, I think it was the second quarter, where John Simon was all over Deshaun Watson, literally on top of him, and Deshaun Watson spun out of it and threw the ball away, and instead of second and 25, you had second and 10. That drive ended in a touchdown. I think the Patriots' defense is good when it is conventional, but I don't think Belichick can handle the unconventional yet. I don't think he has changed. I don't think he has changed his scheme to the newer quarterbacks of the league. Well, I think one thing, yes, obviously Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson are two elite quarterbacks, and they are extremely hard to defend because of their ability to improvise. But I think the other thing is Bill Belichick's biggest strength is being able to to make a game plan which is going to take away your strengths after he's already played you and seen what you've got. So I think while we are kind of not praising or a little down on Bill Belichick right now, remember every year there's this cycle with the Patriots of they they start off great and then throughout the middle of the season they kind of fall off a bit and everyone says, oh, the dynasty's about to end. Oh, the dynasty's about to end. But Bill Belichick and Tom Brady always find a way because of their ability to win the game before the game is played. However, I think this year is different because I don't think Tom Brady is the same quarterback he once was. If you look at his stats, they look they look great on paper. 350 yards, three touchdowns, only one interception. You would say the Patriots didn't lose this game because of Tom Brady. But the reality is he completed less than 50% of his passes. He was missing throws that he just doesn't miss. A lot of his yards were garbage time yards, where the game was pretty much already sealed up, and he had those two drives late in the fourth quarter where he accumulated a lot of his stats and padded a lot of his stats. So I think, though, Tom Brady is by no means one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. He's not the same quarterback he was two years ago. He's not the same quarterback who, when his defense allows 28 points, the running game isn't getting going, can carry his team to a win. I just think this might be his final year in New England because he doesn't look happy. Um, I I also think that Tom Brady doesn't have a lot of weapons left, especially now that Gronk's gone. I feel like the Patriots are kind of struggling to find footing where Tom Brady can find someone who's not named Julian Edelman or James White on a big down in a clutch situation. What I saw a lot of in the first half of that of the game was Tom Brady in third down would look at Julian Edelman, he'd look at James White, and they'd both be covered. He'd try to escape pressure for a little bit, but he's a little bit on the older side, and he's not as good at that as someone like Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson. And either he'd take a sack or he'd throw the ball away, or he'd make an ill-advised throw. There was a throw into double coverage to Julian Edelman that should have been picked off. 
And I feel like if that throw was picked off, it would have been a much different game. Might have looked more like the game where the Ravens played the Patriots. Um, but I just don't think there's – there. it's not that there's anyone there for him. I don't think he's got enough to work with now. However, I think he's starting to find a connection with Nikhil Harry. I think that might be their next big guy, and I think watch out for Nikhil Harry in the playoffs. I'd like to say I think one of the bad parts about Tom Brady now is he's starting to lose his ability to see open wide receivers and other tight ends and stuff. Like last night we saw on multiple occasions – Tom Brady had a completely wide-open man, but he just didn't pass it to them. Like, there was one drive, I forget which one it was, but he had two people in dub- double coverage in the end zone, and one person was wide open straight on the goal line, and he didn't pass it to him. Um, so, as Rodrigo mentioned, stats don't tell the whole story. If you actually watch that football game, Tom Brady was not only missing throws, he was missing throws completely. He wasn't on the same page with his receivers, which is a huge problem. As mentioned before, Gronk and him, as well as Julian Edelman, but Julian Edelman was covered heavily in this game, Gronk and him had a special connection where they knew where each person was going to go. And because of this, he was able to send perfect throws to him. But he's a lot of new receivers or just receivers who aren't as good. And because of this, he doesn't have that connection. And he often throws the ball in the completely opposite direction to where they're running. Well, the other thing is, throughout Tom Brady's career, one of his biggest attributes has been his ability to work with unknown receivers. These Julian Edelmans, these Danny Amendola a few years ago, Wes Walker even before then, these guys were undrafted or very late drafted guys who really weren't known around the league. And because they played with Tom Brady, Tom Brady was able to make them into superstars. And when people praise Tom Brady, that's one of the first things that come up. It's his ability to work with guys who aren't very good at all. But now it, it's still that way. He does. I agree with you guys. He doesn't have many weapons outside of Julian Edelman and James White. The, his offensive arsenal isn't one of the best in the league. But old Tom Brady, Tom Brady from 10 years ago, Tom Brady from five years ago, Tom Brady from three years ago was able to make that work. And I just think that... Now he's lost that ability. He's still a good quarterback, but he can't overcome the challenges that he's facing due to not having incredible offensive personnel. For our next segment of Take It or Leave It, we're going to start right off with college football. Ohio State had a dominant win over Michigan this past Saturday. It was close at the start, but Ohio State pulled away in the second half. And this is the fifth straight time that Jim Harbaugh loses to Ohio State. And this brings up the question of whether Ohio State will win the national championship because they have been so dominant of late. So take it or leave it, Ohio State will win the national championship. I'm leaving it not because Ohio State's bad, but because LSU is very, very good. I think LSU has a great run game. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is one of the best running backs in college football, probably only second to Najee Harris. Um, I think Joe Burrow is for real, and he is not just a product of a system. That guy can really throw the ball. I also think that the LSU defense, is they're pretty good. 
I think they're going to give Justin Fields trouble. I don't think anyone's really given Justin Fields trouble yet. I think they can probably stop J.K. Dobbins. And I think if LSU and Ohio State were to play, LSU were to win. I think that's the national championship game. However, I would not be. I'm not saying I would be surprised if Ohio State won because they do have a very good team, and I am a Michigan fan, and I am giving them credit. I think that they're. Uh, I'm taking this because Ohio State has the best quarterback in college football, Justin Fields. He's similar to a second coming of Lamar Jackson. We all know how great he is, but he's actually on a good college football team. And I, I just don't think that LSU can stop them. And LSU is also going to be facing one of the top defenses in uh, college football with uh, Chase Young. And I think they said that he'll be back for that. And so that's why I think Ohio State would win the national championship game. I also think that Ohio State will win the national championship just because, as you said, JW, their team is absolutely loaded on both sides of the ball. Chase Young is arguably the best defender in college football. Justin Fields, I wouldn't call him the best quarterback in college football, but he's certainly up there. J.K. Dobbins, one of the best running backs. Their O-line is absolutely stacked. Their defensive backfield is stacked as well. This team is loaded. It's peaking at the opportune time. I just think it has way more talent than any other team. And they've been winning by so much that it's hard to think that they will suddenly fall off. So I'm going to take it. And speaking of Ohio State, Michigan, the second take it or leave it will be about Jim Harbaugh. He has now failed to beat Ohio State for the fifth straight time, as I mentioned, and he doesn't look too happy at Michigan. So take it or leave it, Jim Harbaugh will continue to be the Michigan coach next year. I am taking it. Um, I th- I think that this year most people did not know that Michigan fired its offensive coordinator. They got a new one. This has kind of been more of a rebuilding year. They've had some, They were picking it up. But they had that overtime game against Army. They were not looking good in their first couple of games. They're really transitioning into a new system. And their defense has not been what it used to be with Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich and Devin Bush, who are all now playing getting and getting good minutes in the NFL. They all left. And when Michigan has faced good running teams this year, they have not been able to stop it. I think also that... It is 0-5, but it should be 1-4. There was a game in that stretch where it went to overtime, the refs botched a call, yada, yada. I honestly think that they give Jim Harbaugh another shot because why fire a coach who's giving you 9-10 to 10 wins a season? For Michigan, 9-10 to 10 wins a season is not good enough. Only thing that should be good enough for Michigan is winning the Big Ten and college football playoffs at least get second place. That's what Michigan should be striving for. And obviously, Jim Harbaugh ain't going to cut it for Michigan. They should get a new head coach, but will they? I don't think so. I am also going to leave it, not because I think Michigan is going to fire Jim Harbaugh. I just think he's going to leave. I don't think he's too happy being criticized at Michigan right now, unable to win 
with the roster he currently has. And I think there are going to be a lot of NFL job openings, a lot of enticing NFL job openings. You look at the Cowboys job, that's pretty enticing with all the talent on their team. So I think Jim Harbaugh will return to the NFL and he will leave Michigan behind and not the other way around. And speaking of the Cowboys head coaching job, the Cowboys lost on Thursday Night Football on Thanksgiving to the Buffalo Bills. And a lot of people were calling for Jason Garrett to be fired. So the next question is, take it or leave it, Jason Garrett will not be the Cowboys coach next year. I am leaving it, and it is not because of Jason Garrett. I think Jason Garrett shouldn't be the Cowboys coach next year. But you know who doesn't think that? Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is content to have a puppet at head coach with the name of Jason Garrett. And because of that, and because of the fact that Jerry Jones can control Jason Garrett, I feel like Jerry Jones wants to keep him. And so no matter what the criticism is, he will keep him for at least next year. I think that what Jerry Jones should do is fire Jason Garrett. And similar to to when he got Jimmy Johnson to be their head coach, for a few years, just to win the Super Bowl. That was it. Then he gets rid of him because he doesn't like him. That He should get Rex Ryan from Get Up in, in Mornings on ESPN. Get Rex Ryan to come in there, win a Super Bowl, because they already have a loaded team. And you saw what Rex Ryan could do with the Sanchez at quarterback, get to the AFC Championship game, uh, beat the Patriots a like a solid amount of times, he could get the Dallas Cowboys on where they need to go, win two playoff games. But obviously it is not going to work between Jerry Jones and Rex Ryan. So that is when Jerry Jones fires him and goes back to having a puppet for a few years. So I believe that Jason Garrett should be fired. I do not think he will be fired, but I definitely think he should be fired for this reason. The Cowboys have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL, and they are not, they do not have a winning record. Proof, they have Dak Prescott, a top, I'd say a top eight quarterback. They have Ezekiel Elliott, one of the top five running backs. They have a great cornerback in Byron Jones. They have great linebackers in Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith. They have a great um, edge rusher in Demarcus Lawrence. They have a great team with so much, and they have great receivers. They have a great team with so much talent, and they cannot win games due to horrible coaching. I think honestly, if they get anyone who's better than Jason Garrett, they can get. There's a lot of coaches who are better than Jason Garrett who are willing to take this position as the head coach of America's team. Because of this, if they get anyone, really anyone with any football coaching experience, I think the Cowboys could have won three or four more games than they did this year. I agree that Jason Garrett will be fired, and I actually think that he will be fired because I think that Jerry Jones has had enough of mediocrity. You look at this, at Jason Garrett, he has never won two playoff games in the same season. He has never really been considered one of the best coaches, and so far, Jerry Jones has been content with that, content with being average. But I think that he's finally had enough. You look at what he said before this Bills game, after the Patriots game, talking about how they needed to win. And he is visibly upset. 
I just think he's had enough of Jason Garrett underperforming with that amazing roster that he has. And he will finally pull the plug due to all the pressure around the Cowboys organization. And moving on, another interesting story over these past few weeks has been the play of Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill, who has really stepped in after the Titans started two and four, and he has won five of six as the Titans starting quarterback, and they are starting to threaten the Texans for the division. And this has brought up an interesting question of whether Ryan Tannehill will continue to be the Titans quarterback moving forward. So take it or leave it, Ryan Tannehill will be the starting quarterback for the Tennessee Titans in 2020. I am leaving it. I think the Titans, um, right now Ryan Tannehill is kind of having a career revival, but I think the Titans will go hunting at the end of the first round for a quarterback, and I think there will be some quarterbacks for him to have. I think there are some good quarterbacks this year going into the draft, and I think he will probably find himself a Justin Herbert um, to have, and that, that he, Justin Herbert will be the quarterback of the future for the Titans. I think although Ryan Tannehill is good right now, he is old. I think this will probably turn into a Sam Bradford situation where he kind of had a revival in Minnesota and then got really bad afterwards again. I think that's probably what's going to happen there. I think not only do I know it, but the Titans know it, and therefore they're not going to try to hold on to it. I think that the Titans are going to get rid of Mariota. Uh, there's plenty of good quarterbacks on the market. There, There's a surplus of good quarterbacks in the NFL right now. They have Ryan Tannehill at QB, and then I think first round they get – a uh, a good quarterback because there's about four or five possible first-round quarterbacks coming up in this draft, and I think one of them could fall to him because they're probably going to have around a 20-ish pick. And so I think that they will um, take that guy, maybe sit him on the bench for a while, but I think Tannehill, if he doesn't fall off next year, the year after that, he's going to be like 34, 35, and we already know that he's not really one of the top quarterbacks in the league. So then they bring in the new guy. So my belief is that in order to believe that the Titans are going to get rid of Ryan Tannehill, right, Ryan Tannehill sometime this season, it's ridiculous. Due to the fact that Ryan Tannehill is playing out of his mind. The Indianapolis Colts were considered one of the best teams until obviously Andrew Luck left. But Jacoby Brissett has been playing well, and they are considered one of the best teams in the AFC and almost maybe in the league. Ryan Tannehill destroyed them. He beat them by quite a large amount of points, and I think because of this, and also Indianapolis is our division rival. If he's able to play well against them, that's great for the Titans because they play them twice every year. Also, against Jacksonville, another division rival, he had 259 259 yards and two touchdowns, and he had seven rushes for 40 yards. That is a great game from Ryan Tannehill, who has been known to not be one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. Although he is getting old, I do believe that the Titans will keep him for next year. I also think the Titans will keep him, but because they are content just like the Dallas Cowboys with being average. You have seen the past three years they finished 9-7, and seven, and they may even finish 9-7 and seven last year. 
this year, sorry. And I think that they should not keep Ryan Tannehill, but they will because I don't think they're a very smart organization. In the NFL, the bottom line is unless your roster talent is unbelievable, which the Titans roster is good, but it's not unbelievable, you need a great quarterback to win in the NFL. And Ryan Tannehill, while he may be good for a few games with the Titans, he has proven that he cannot be great. And I think that the Titans will not draft the quarterback. They will look at what Ryan Tannehill has done over these past few weeks, and they will believe that he can be the quarterback for the future. And he won't be terrible. They'll compete for a few years. They might even compete for a wild card spot or a division in the future, but they will not pull through in the Super Bowl or in the playoffs because Ryan Tannehill is not good enough to win games on his own. He needs to have people around him, and that's why I think even though they will keep Ryan Tannehill, it will be a mistake. And now transitioning into the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks have really dominated over these past few weeks. They're speculation that Giannis Antetokounmpo will win his second straight MVP and really push for the his first NBA Finals. So take it or leave it, the Bucks are the best team in the Eastern Conference. Um, I take it. They're 17-3. Giannis is a great player. He's young. And he has – I mean, he's just been playing well. They have a good team. They lost uh, one of their better players to, to free agency this summer, but they haven't. It doesn't seem like they've become worse because of that. They uh, they play the Knicks the next game, which I definitely think will be a dub, and because of that, they will be far ahead in the East. And yeah, I think the Bucks are the best team in the East. I think you look at the East. Who else would be the best team in the East? The Bucks are really the only top team that I see coming out of the East. And they're just clearly the best team. I mean, Toronto, no, not really. Miami, no, not really. Boston, maybe. But Toronto, but Milwaukee is clearly the best team. I'm going to disagree. I think the 76ers are the best team simply because they have so many great players. A few uh, games ago, everyone was criticizing Joel Embiid because he had zero points. And their takeaway was... Well, how can you go back to Toronto, the place where you got humiliated and you started crying after the playoffs and have zero points? My bigger takeaway was the Raptors only won by two possessions, even though the Sixers' best player had no points. What does that mean? That means the Sixers have so much depth, not only Joel Embiid, but Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, Josh Richardson, their starting five is unbelievable. Arguably the best overall all-around starting five in the league. I just think that the Bucks, just like last year, they're peaking in the regular season. Giannis is a regular season player, much like James Harden, who's going to pad the stats in the regular season, and he's going to look great. But when it comes to the playoffs, I think the overall roster talent of the Philadelphia 76ers will pull through, and that is why they are the best team in the Eastern Conference. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Crunch Time Podcast. Signing off for now and saying goodbye, I'm Jack Ringgold.